Hello and welcome back to FD TV. We are back again with another episode of our weekly podcast. I'm your host Ali along with my fellow co-host Jawad. Jawad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So finally, we got the end of the few seasons in Premier League and in La Liga with Serie A as well finishing up. Looking forward to the Euros now. So let's get into it. So let's start off with Portugal. Many people say that they are the favorites for this season's Euro- European Championships. And with the squad that they have put out, I see that very easily. They have a world-class squad. So, what is your take on the squad announcement? And are you are you shocked by any surprises by Fernando Santos? Uh, there's not uh, many surprises there. The reason for that is because everyone you expected to be in the starting eleven is there, right? But now you really got to figure out how are they going to line up? What is the starting eleven? What's the strongest starting eleven? Because one way or another, you're going to leave someone who is currently in form out of the starting 11. And that's what they're facing right now. They have a huge depth in, in terms of quality in their squad. So who do they put out? That, that's the question. Who do you see as the starting 11? And do you think it was a good choice to go with this particular squad right now? I'm fairly happy with the squad, especially with the inclusions of players like uh, Jao Palinia, who has mm-hmm. an amazing season uh, this campaign. And... Although I'm kind of shocked with the inclusion of Nelson Semedo, I think he did not deserve a place in the squad because he has been awful for Wolverhampton Wanderers this season mm-hmm. and the se- season before with Barcelona. He was the main culprit in that 8-2 loss against Bayern. But this video is all about choosing the best eleven for Portugal. So let's start off with the goalkeeper. I think this is a fairly straightforward pick. Rui Patricio should start in the goalkeeping spot. Uh, what do you think? I think the, there isn't much choice there. Like you got to have someone who is of high quality and that's where they, they have in there. Uh, Portugal struggle with world-class goalkeeper on the club level as well. So having him uh, as the starting eleven does make sense. For the right-back spot, let's move on to the right-back spot. Uh, we have Nelson Samedo and Joe Cancelo, two players from the Premier League. Uh, obviously, Cancelo had a firing start to the season under Pep Guardiola for Man City. And Nelson Semedo has been kind of poor throughout the, throughout the season. Uh, he has failed to replicate his form when he signed for Barcelona throughout the last three seasons. And I don't see him starting at all. And Cancelo, for me, is a straightforward pick. Yeah, I think Cancelo is the easy uh, pick here, considering the form that he has been in and uh, the way he would fit into the system. Uh, right now, the world football does not really play the right and the left back sports as defensive uh, players. They are much more attacking exactly. threats with uh, the center backs pushing out and covering and one of the midfielders tucking in between the center backs. That's been uh, the likes of any attacking team. That's the way they play and that's the way they are set up. Specifically with Portugal, having two very attack-minded wingers up front, I think uh, Juan Cancelo would be a good complement to that because of his hard work and the work rate he puts in, tracking up and down the field covering really well whenever uh, someone is out of position. So I think uh, Cancelo is a good shout uh, for the starting 11. I don't think anyone should be uh, picked over him. Now, uh, from the right back, let's move on to the left back spot, which is a little bit more uh, kind of open to play. Who do you think starting on the left back spot for Portugal? Uh, I am a massive fan of Rafael Guerrero. Ever since I saw him for Portugal in the 2016 version of Euro, he was phenomenal on the left-hand side. Also played as a midfielder, a midfielder as well. And when he signed for Borussia Dortmund, he transformed his club game to a whole new level and always comes up with assists, always likes to move forward and is a very good long passer as well. So I think Rafael Guerrero makes a perfect sense and he complements Jock Cancelo in a way that they both can defend and they both can move forward. 
when they want. So that is a very good uh, pairing of fullback in my opinion. What do you think? So the other choice that they have that they have called upon is Nuno Mendes, who's had a absolute tremendous yeah. season with Sporting. Uh, finally winning the, the league loss uh, this time around. Sporting has been in phenomenal form. And one of the key reasons for that is exactly. their attacking left back. So Mendes is always uh, something I, f- I feel very comfortable with, specifically with his young age. I feel like uh, they could uh, be swapping in and out. But as of the experience goes, uh, Nuno, did, uh, Nuno does not have any. Uh, Mendes is actually lacking in terms of experience up front. That's where I feel like the advantage goes Ooh. to your pick. And Guerrero should be starting. But Mendes, uh, don't overlook him. That That's my opinion. Uh, yeah, let, let's get back into the center-back spot. Now, here, here's a few things that I want to lay out there. Pepe, though he might be very, very old, he's been called into the squad and I feel like one of the games that he yes. had in Champions League really showed what he can do, right? So the guy, True. on his day, I don't think anyone in Portugal's defense beats him. But what do you think? Who, who starts ahead of him? This is the first time in years that I'm excited by the defense that Portugal have on their disposal. Uh, Pepe and Jose Fonta both have had a very good season. One for Porto and the other obviously is playing for Lille mm-hmm. and is 37. But... The, with older age, I think they have proven that age is just a number. They have made ex- exceptional tackles, put up great defensive numbers. And most importantly, both of them have experience at the top level at, on international stage. So, But for me, Pepe along with Ruben Diaz will be the way to go for Portugal, at least in the opening match. Because they, they want to make a statement in the opening match. And they really want to show the world that they can win the competition. So, would you pick uh, for, uh, Jose Fonta ahead of Diaz? Or who would miss out in your uh, pick for the centre-back spot? So, no one is getting ahead of Ruben Diaz. Let's just put it that way, right? So, he is a show-in for the uh, left-hand side of the center-back pairing. It's on the right-hand side of the center-back pairing is where you really got to think about this, right? So, to be honest, my heart says Pepe because of the experience and the way I've seen him play. And the whole Portugal team in itself need a bit of grit. And he he has that in spades, right? So, I want to go with uh, Ruben Diaz. Uh, Ruben Diaz and Pepe at, at the starting uh, centre-back pairing. I think that that that's gives a Portugal a very solid defensive line. And like you said, Portugal Absolutely. has always been about the attack with the attacking players that they have on their disposal. But this time around, having cool. a strong defence, I think is really going to be beneficial for their Euros push. Let's get into the midfield now. So uh, it's really about the formation that we're going to do. We're, we're, I'm, I'm just going to stick with 4-3-3. I think that's uh, we, what we should do with most of the teams. So the three-man midfield, who do you see uh, coming into uh, Portugal's three-man midfield? Well, again, uh, very excited by the midfield of Portugal as well. I'm a massive fan of uh, a lot of players in this squad. Uh, Joao Palinha, uh, who, who has made his name in Portugal, has picked has been picked by Fernando Santos for this year's Euros. He's an excellent box-to-box holding midfielder uh, that can distribute the ball and can change the tempo of the game. Kind of like Cruz, but on a much lower level. So, very excited to see him in the squad as well. But for me, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, the two midfielders who would play in behind Bruno Fernandes would be uh, Ruben Neves from Wolverhampton Wanderers, along with Renato Sanchez, who has a great turnaround for his career and is really looking like one of the best uh, midfielders and might be snapped up by a bigger, le- uh, bigger team in the European football. So that is my two picks. What do you think? So Renato Sanchez is a very interesting choice. The reason for that, that uh, the game that I watched him against Milan, he absolutely dominated the midfield. 
not putting a step True. foot uh, wrong in any direction. So I feel like he is a very good shout. But you're kind of forgetting one player. That's Joao Martinho, right? So I feel like he has a very strong shout in the starting 11 as well. So that's where things get complicated. I feel like the shoo-in for the midfield spot has to be Bruno Fernandes. Along with him, who you put uh, alongside with the pairing is a really interesting choice. I feel like Ruben Nevas and uh, Joao Martinho is the way to go. With Renato Sanchez really giving uh, specifically Ruben Nevas a good run for his money. So uh, the creative forces would obviously come from your midfielder. So I feel like that has to be said that Bruno Fernandes is untouchable at this point in Portugal starting 11. Absolutely. Uh, talking about specific sure. man marking, you got to have Cristiano Ronaldo in your starting lineup. Even at, what, 37 years old? Absolutely. Uh, he's going to be starting at what position? That's because the attack right now of Portugal is tremendously stacked. You've got the likes of uh, Andres Silva, Juan Felix, then Diego Jota, Cristiano Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, right? So it's an amazingly talented upfront squad that they've got in terms of the forwards. But you only can pick three. How do you line these uh, people up up front? I think from midfield to attack, the transition needs to be very smooth. Uh, the two midfielders that I mentioned, Renato Sanchez and Ruben Neves, should play in behind Bruno Fernandes and give him the free role. Like the Wayne Rooney of Manchester United. Mm-hmm. So he can operate in the free spaces in behind the uh, 12-yard box and chip balls in for Ronaldo and other people to attack. But the front three for me is pretty straightforward. Cristiano Ronaldo from the left-hand side. I know he has lo- lost his pace and a couple of steps, but you cannot... Uh, you know, take anything away from Ronaldo when, when he's going one-on-one against the fullback of the opposition team. He still can do damage. So, Ronaldo from the left-hand side would be my pick. And as a striker, there has to be Andre Silva. I don't see Joao Felix starting again in, instead of Andre Silva. The man has been phenomenal. Both Ronaldo and Andre Silva have 29 goals this campaign. So, for me, Andre Silva starts as a striker. On the right-hand side, uh, Bernardo Silva from Man City had another great season would be my pick as well. So this is the front three that is most informed and will be the best for this particular system. Do you disagree or agree? Uh, so I, I somewhat agree with one thing, uh, one caveat in between. On the right, I would test out Juan Felix. So Juan Felix has had a okay. tremendous season for La, for Atletico Madrid, winning the La Liga this time around. Exactly. Andre Silva, I feel like he is the only out-and-out out number nine that Portugal has. So picking anyone over him currently would be a criminal negligence uh, in front of me, right? So I feel like Andres Silva starts up front. Then you got to have Ronaldo, and most likely he's going to be playing in from the left. So I feel like either Bernardo Silva or Juan Felix would be interchanging on the right-hand side of the front three. So uh, looking at the team right now, if you can see on the left-hand side of your screen, it's a tremendously dangerous team that they've got. That's my case for uh, Portugal winning the Euros. And I feel like uh, Ronaldo with another international trophy should be a great story. What do you think? But I want to ask you this thing before we close this topic up. What is the success for Portugal in this tournament? Semi-final, final or going all the way? Secondly, when you look at a run-in towards the um, major tournaments, we saw that in the World Cup in Russia, uh, they barely survived the group. Uh, Ronaldo, there was a Ronaldo individual brilliant show against Spain that got them one point at the end. Um, they couldn't beat Iran. And... Uh, Fernando Santos is not the most versatile manager in the world. So my question is this. If Portugal failed to do something in this tournament with this team, is it on the manager or is it on the players? 
I feel like it has to be on the manager because of the absolutely tremendous season each and individual player has had domestically. All True. these guys are of a very high breed. Specifically, when you got Ronaldo, and then you got Andre Silva, who's been in amazing form as of late in the Bundesliga, just barely missing out on the Champions League spot after Bradford. So I feel like it has to be said that it would be on the manager because here's the difficulty: the players individually are great. How you play them as a team, Absolutely. that's on the manager. How you line them up and how you motivate them, that's on the manager. So I feel like it, success or no success is going to be on the manager. And I see a deep run for Portugal, at least into the semifinals. At least into the semifinals. That's my prediction. Makes sense. And finally, who wins the group? They are in the group of death, uh, the group F, with France and Germany and Hungary. Uh, who are the two teams that go through? Hungary is out. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just call it as it is. Hungary is not no chance of going yes. through. So it's France, Germany, and Portugal. And uh, I feel like anything other than a final for France is a failure. I'm gonna go with my heart. I'm gonna go with Ronaldo. Uh, it's gonna be France and Portugal. France finishing top, and then Portugal, and then Germany. Great announcement today as France also announced their 26-man provisional squad for the Euro 2020. Uh, Didier Deschamps going with the old guard. A lot of weird and bizarre picks in the squad as well. A lot of people who are in form missing out. What is your take on the France squad? And are you surprised? I'm sure you are. So here's the thing. With the talent pool that they have, what did you expect? right? So it's a huge, huge... Uh, they have the old guard and then the new generation coming in for France is an absolute amazing talent pool. Right. And you can make cases of people missing out, but you can also say that, hey, the people that they did end up putting in did deserve to be in there because of the seasons that they had. Right. So without arguing about who should have missed out or who should have came in, let's let's talk about how they line up. So I'm guessing the goalkeeper spot is pretty easy. Right. So I'm going to go with Loris. Is that something you're agreed with? Absolutely. Although Loris has not been the Loris of two, three years ago, and he's not the goalkeeper he once was. I think even if I was a manager, I would have picked uh, Lee Melier from Leeds United, who mm-hmm. is the 21-year-old goalkeeper in the Premier League. He has been mm-hmm. phenomenal for Leeds United this season. Very active, very good ball distributor as well. So he goes ahead of Loris for me, but that's why I'm not the manager of France. Uh, <laughs> Didier Deschamps went with the ex- experienced old guard, so I'm not surprised by Loris. He starts for me as well. Right. So I'm going to just rant a little bit about the left back spot. Theo Hernandez has been an oh absolute revelation. Absolute. Yes. absolute revelation. The guy's got the most goal yes. contribution of any defender in the top five leagues as of right now. Right? Why? True. Why is he not called up? That's an absolute huge mistake, I feel like, by France. Having missed out on a great talent, the guy who's dying to play for your national squad and you still don't call him up, even in the squad, it's absolute criminal. Absolute criminal not having Theo Hernandez. So who do you see starting over him with the current squad? Who who starts in the left-back spot? I think it's a choice between uh, Lucas Hernandez, the brother of Theo Hernandez, and mm-hmm. Luca Dinia. Luca Dinia plays for Everton in the Premier League. Uh, thoroughly impressed by him. Barcelona again made a big mistake by letting him go and choosing a 33-year-old uh, Jordi Alba over him. So, Luca mm-hmm. Dinia is the most defensively solid left-back France have at their disposal. And he should definitely start. Uh, 
what do you think about the right back spot i think that's pretty straightforward as well so the right back i feel like again they have such an amazing squad that they are when you specifically missing out on it mukileli right the player that they're not playing anymore oh. i'm going to just keep listing players that they haven't got in the squad because of the amazing Absolutely. amazing yes. squad that that they have what is going on what is going on so i feel like uh, they have great players and the right back squad is a showing right but having players such as this miss out when you have an um, absolute amazing squad depth because keep in mind you don't know what's going to happen with the season that we are in any time a player can get injured so, specifically with the amount of games that they have played this season this close together and top of that when you've got the likes of covid's flying around anywhere anyone can be tested for anything specifically when you're in the euros and you're playing in such close quarters to every other team it's a dangerous precedent exactly. to set so who do you see starting at the right back it's pretty straightforward benjamin pavard from bayern munich very good left uh, sorry right back scored a stunning goal against argentina at the previous world cup and he's very good defensively as well going forward uh, chips crosses in from the right hand side very flexible and can take the inverted full back spot as well so he starts for me uh, do you disagree so, th- there's no no doubt in my mind that pavard is the starting uh, right back for france no doubt right but here's the thing when you've got so many games packed together and euros is flying around as well right the season just finished and we're going to be getting into euros as well so yes. it, it's going to be a huge burden on these players having you need to have good enough players but pavard an absolute shoe in for the right back squad uh veron with the season that he's had at real madrid do you see it, is it as a good choice having him in the squad and do you think he starts for france or not i won't argue with that but his form has not been of the best center back in the world he, he without sergio ramos we saw how uh, clueless he looked in the real madrid backline uh, his ability to keep the backline in shape was not there for the past two seasons and i think that uh, uh, france made a huge mistake by not selecting laporte in the previous world cup and he opted for spain instead which makes them even stronger so uh, personal personal kimpembe jules kunde and rafael veran and uh, kurt zuma this is not a very solid uh, back center back options veran is of, of the obvious pick but his form can dwindle and he has the ability to leak goals from the right hand side although he starts for me as well but the <laughs> other uh, the left sided center back who's your choice for that that spot i feel like kunde should be starting alongside with him but here's the problem with the reason i brought up veran is he need a leader with him he's not the leader at the back i feel like that's what's missing but i feel like veran and along alongside with him uh, kunde should be a good enough starting uh, lineup for france makes sense uh, you rented about uh, the left back spot theo hernandez and i totally agree <laughs> with that i want to rant about three people wesley fofana had one of the best season in terms of young center backs in the entire europe in leicester city yeah. won the fa cup will likely finish in the top top 5 of the premier league has put up amazing defensive numbers on top of that you had to include dayoto pamukano i think he had a better season than jules kunde and personal kimpembe but veran and kunde I agree with that pairing. Let's move on to the midfield. Uh, I want to hear your argument. What do you think? Is there any arguing against Pogba and Kanté? Who do you see uh, filling into that uh, third spot for us? Again, this just shows the lack of compassion that uh, Didier Deschamps have for the players that have missed out on uh, the European squad. Hossim Oar for Lyon, a great attacking midfielder. Uh, you can say that he is the perfect player to play in the free role behind the attacker. He is not included. 
Kama Winga, the defensive midfielder who was linked with entire Europe, is not included in midfield. Instead, he opted for Musa Sissoko from Tottenham Hotspur, a guy that Jose Mourinho left out for majority of the season. Can you believe that? How hard it is on the guys who missed out? Uh, Kante, Pogba and Tolisso? That, that's my starting three. Who do you think? I think that's the perfect one. But I think Deschamps would opt for Griezmann in the attacking role behind the frontman. So, I think that is the way to go for Deschamps. Griezmann in behind a striker. That's what I pick. But I do agree. Tolisso starts for me as well. All right. Well, let's get to the attacking part of things where things get a lot exciting. You've got the likes of, I'm, I'm just going to read it off here. Usman Dembele, Oliver Giroud, Antonio Griezmann, Kylian Mbappe, Marcus Trump, King Lee's Coleman, Kareem Benzema, Vissim Ben Yadder, right? Wow. So amazing uh, people up front. But here, here's the thing. How do you fit them in three spots? So I'll just give, give my front three for France. Uh, Benzema had to start. He has to start. I don't see Giroud go- taking the place over him. As Ben Sima himself said, that you don't compare a go-kart with a Ferrari. <laughs> so, I do agree with that statement. On the right-hand side, Kylian Mbappe takes the place for me. He was deployed as the right-finger against Argentina and he absolutely caused demolition at the previous World Cup. So, the right-hand side goes to Kylian Mbappe. On the left, you can either start Griezmann or you can either start Kingsley Coman. Uh, this is my front three. Uh, what do you think? Uh, so, that's where you have a lot of choice. True. A lot of choice. Right? So... I kind of liked what you did with uh, Pogba and Kante and then having Griezmann in the free-flowing role. That gives you the choice of having another starting three front-forward players. I feel like Mbappe is another one. He's a shoo-in. Absolutely. And then Giroud and Benzema would be going in and out. Ben Yadder has had a a good good enough campaign that you can uh, give him a shout as well. But those are all just options. What I feel like is the starting eleven is Griezmann. Benzema and then yes. Mbappe. But before we close this France topic up, I want yeah. to ask you uh, another thing. Uh, what is the point of failure for France this season, uh, this campaign? Uh, do they have to go all the way or will a final or a semi-final be success as well? And again, if they fail to do that, is it on the managers? It clearly is on the manager. It can't be on the players. Do you, do you agree? So, somewhat disagree with that. I feel like uh, the players got the experience, right? You've got serial winners in your team, the likes of Benzema. And then you got even Mbappe. He's a serial winner, right? So you've got players like Pogba, world-class talent on their day. Uh, I feel like they have to do something. And other than winning, the Euros is an absolute failure for France. They have to win. I feel like they are the favorite going into this. And if they don't win, then it's a failure for me for France's side. What do you think? Absolutely. At least a final appearance has to be on the cards for France. When you have Mbappe, Griezmann, and Benzema, and all of them are in form, you don't expect anything less than a final at least. So let's move on to the biggest transfer news coming from Real Madrid. Uh, Sergio Ramos has not agreed a contract with the Galacticos and he might be looking to move. Biggest option right now at his disposal is Paris Saint-Germain. Mauricio Pochettino wants him to link up with Marquinhos at the heart of defence at PSG and they want to uh, challenge for every major honor next season. Is Ramos to PSG a good move? So, Ramos to any club is a great move. It, there's something difficult about imagining out him playing outside of Madrid. And Madrid letting him go right now is a travesty, right? You gotta reward your utmost loyal servant and your captain at that. So, if he ends up going to PSG, I feel like it's gonna be a similar story of what Thiago Silva has done for Chelsea, right? 
uh, when everyone thought that he was done at the top level, he still managed to perform yes. somehow, right? So I feel like Ramos is nowhere near done. The guy has hunger, and I, he's the Zlatan Ibrahimovic of defense, I must say, right? Very egocentric yes. and uh, a player who just seems to get better with age and specifically with the position that he's playing in. He can play well into his 30s. Ooh. The likes of Nesta comes to mind with just their uh, brilliant footballing mind and presence of where they need to be at what time. If Ramos is able to replicate that, I feel like he can play for another three seasons at the very high, high level. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, Marquinhos, who plays at the left of defense, along with Sergio Ramos, who takes the right-hand spot. That's a very good, very good defensive core that PSG have. And that might be the missing piece of the puzzle that they need to challenge for the UEFA Champions League next season and really get a final and get over the line. Uh, I'm not surprised by Real Madrid's treatment of Sergio Ramos. Uh, they did not even give a proper farewell to St. Iker Casillas. He was crying at the press conference when he was leaving for Porto. Along with Ramos, a lot of other players are also leaving Real Madrid. As per the news, uh, Marcelo being one of them, Lucas Vasquez, Asensio, Isco and uh, uh, Mariano also uh, looking to leave the Bernabeu. So where do you see these people heading? Do, do you think they can provide services for a top 6 club in the European top 5 leagues? So Vasquez has somewhat been linked with Milan. And he would be a great addition for them. So that that's where I see him going. Isco uh, to Tottenham is what I feel like is going to be the most likely scenario for him. Uh, the way Isco has been playing as of recently, I don't feel like uh, any currently top four side would pick him. So I feel like uh, reconstruction at a club like Tottenham is what is needed for him. Right? Marcelo is all but done at the top level. So yeah, uh, let, let's just go back to Brazil. And talking about the spine, uh, you've got Modric, who's uh, just about done with his uh, top playing top playing career, right at the top level. True. Same goes for Benzema, who's got maybe a couple of years left in him. So Real Madrid is starting to look a lot uh, worse for worse, right? So they've got the great players, but once they have gone, they don't have the replacements in place as of yet. Definitely, the golden period period of Real Madrid's dominance in Europe and. Uh, probably probably in Spain might be coming to an end after all because these kind of things don't uh, do, uh, happen over time. It takes time to reconstruct major clubs. It took a lot of time for Real Madrid to be anywhere near uh, becoming the champions of Europe. They, that the transition period lasted from 2007 to 2013 and they bought a lot of players and they had to wait a lot of seasons to get back into the fold of the best teams in European football. So that's true. I totally agree with that. Uh, 2009 was when Ronaldo moved and that's the same year that Kaká moved into Madrid. So you got to have one of those spending sprees and specifically with the uh, amount of money that they have spent on upgrading their stadium and financial fair play, it's going to be difficult to do something similar to that. So it's going to be a difficult period coming up front specifically for Perez who's been, uh, who wanted to have the European Super League specifically for this, right? Because they needed the money. So it's going to be tough for them to rebuild, but let's see what happens and if Allegri does indeed end up taking over. Let's move on to Real Madrid. Uh, reports are saying that Zizou is going to head out and leave the managerial spot at Real Madrid. The Galacticos might be looking to replace him with Maximiliano Allegri, who has been out of job for the past two campaigns. Uh, what do you think about the rumor? Do you think that as a very good replacement? Or do you see that as a makeshift manager and not the right fit for Real Madrid? 
So Max Allegri uh, was the last manager for AC Milan who won the Scudetto for them. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say he's a good manager and he's a serial winner. Let's just put it as is. But what's been the main complaint against Allegri is the style of football that his teams play. And exactly. the Galacticos, specifically the fans in Real Madrid, they're not used to the type of football that they play unless you're Jose Mourinho and you're, uh, you have that personality to pull that style of football off. The fans in Madrid would not be up for that. Allegri is not as charismatic as Mourinho. So if his team is playing the way that his Juventus was playing, I feel like Real Madrid's fans are going to be frustrated. Not to say that they won't be winning, because that's another story, but Real Madrid is Real Madrid. And failing to secure a league title, specifically when uh, Atleti in itself slipped up quite a lot and they had chances to go top, I think that's uh, where uh, Zidane kind of lost out. Real Madrid letting go of Zizou at this point is the right choice. I feel like bringing him back was the wrong choice in the first place. But I feel like Allegri would stabilize Madrid and steer them to the right direction. A couple of seasons under him should be back to normal for Madrid. What do you think? I think Real Madrid need to reconstruct. And I don't, I'm not sure if Allegri is the man to do that. Let's look at their squad. Their midfield is set up. I think Allegri can use a lot of options there. Uh, Casemiro, Fadi Valverde, Cruz and Modric can provide one or two good seasons. Uh, their defense needs a lot of uh, reshape. Militao and Varane can obviously be the opening pairing for the next season. Uh, Ferdinand Mendy along with Ardrio Zola or Danny Carvajal is a good enough backline. Thiago Courtois is a world-class goalkeeper. But attack. Benzema is 33. You got a left winger in terms of Hazard who gets always gets injured and is likely to leave. Uh, on the right-hand side, you have Lucas Vasquez and a very immature uh, Mariano Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. The attack needs major restructure. So, I'm not sure Allegri is the man to do that. Very good manager, but he's also the, the manager who never seems to get things over the line. He uh, went to the final of the Champions League two times with Juventus, but never got over the line. So Allegri to Real Madrid might not be a long-term option. Do you disagree? No, I feel like uh, Allegri, if they're in for the league title and that's what they're aiming for, uh, it's a very good shout because he is a uh, league manager. He's done great in uh, the Champions League as well. But you're absolutely right. He's not won it, right? Even with the world-class teams at his disposal with the Juventus dynasty, he didn't win. Right, so th- that's a good shout. But I feel like another season of Zidane uh, is bound bound to be for uh, another failure. Real Madrid needs to be freshened up, and uh, specifically what what you said with the attack. And you might not be able to bring in world class talent uh, with Allegri at the helm, but he is a serial winner. But even in a transitional season for Madrid, missing out on the Champions League or missing out on the league title is considered a huge failure. So Leicester City won the FA Cup last week. Brilliant campaign for them. Uh, regardless of the, if they finish in the top four in the Premier League, doesn't matter. The strides that they have made from the lower leagues to the Premier League has been brilliant. And if I say that they are one of the best run club in the entire Europe, I won't be wrong. They are a top six side in the Premier League. They have the squad, they have the manager at their disposal and they have the, a good enough board to support them in their adventures in the top, top flight. How they can become a top four or a top three contender for the Premier League and might even challenge for the title. Here's the thing with Leicester City. 
they are an everyman team. And if you're not a supporter of the actual top four, so let's just name it. Let's say Manchester City, Manchester United, and then you've got Chelsea, and then let's say Liverpool, right? So let's say these are the top four. If you're not a fan of these people, you absolutely want Leicester City in the running for the league title. Everyone is sick and tired of all the dynasties always doing the, what is expected of them and finishing in the top four, right? Uh, and then you got the likes of Jamie Wardy. What was he doing, let's say, five years ago? Where was he? What they were able to achieve, and it ha- a lot has to be done and a lot of credit has to be given to Brandon Rogers. The way he has managed this team with the limited resources they have compared to the big boys of the Premier League is nothing short of spectacular, right? So with the squad that they have, it always gets picked apart by the top four, like expected. So the first thing that the team needs to do is keep its star players. But when you have uh, a young enough core who are coming out and breaking into the world stage at your club, they're bound to leave for higher money when City comes knocking around or when United comes with their historic value or even Liverpool at this point, uh, with specifically Klopp as their manager. So the very first thing that Leicester City needs to do in order to maintain a sustained top four finish and even challenge for the Premier League title again is to keep all their players. That's the first thing that I see Leicester City absolutely have to do. Now, obviously, there's room for improvement where you need to add more players in. Now, I've talked a lot about Jamie Wardy, but he is a aging forward. Is there a future past Jamie Wardy for Leicester City? What do you think? I totally agree with your point. This might be the best time in Leicester's history in their transition to a bigger club that they can actually challenge for the top three of the Premier League because every most of the clubs are in transition. Tottenham have to reconstruct. Manchester United need to recruit more players. Uh, their point difference from the other top three clubs uh, from the second place is not that much. You know, they're on 74 and other teams are also nearing the 70 point mark. So this is the right time for Leicester to invest in players. And you're absolutely right. They need to keep their players like Wesley Fofana and Didi, uh, James Madison, Harvey Barnes at their disposal. And so they can challenge for the title next season. And they can. They did it with a lesser team in uh, 2015-16 season. They won the Premier League against all odds. And this is the right time, the right way to do that. But let me just go through the transition that they did. When they went to the Premier League after so many seasons, uh, they hired players like uh, Cambiasso, who is an Italian legend. Uh, they got Richie Della, who is a Manchester United Academy youth product. Uh, they got Kante, who was making strides in the French League. So they got all these players and they developed them and they paid off. That paid off. Although they lost Kante, Mahrez and other players, but still, the, the the recruitment team at Leicester is so good that when they sell a player, they get a very good replacement. They got Wesley Fofana, they got Timothy Castagna, they got Ricardo Pereira. All these players are internationals and they continue to perform day in, day out. Uh, and honestly, if they didn't have injuries this season, Leicester would be probably the second best team in the Premier League this season. So their recruitment is fantastic. Now, when you talk about Jamie Vardy, I think you cannot doubt Jamie Vardy. He, in an, in, in an interview that he did with uh, an English newspaper, he said that he just drinks a couple of Red Bulls and he's good to go. And he runs all over the pitch uh, looking to pouch on chances from the other players. So that is the kind of mentality Vardy has. 
you keep him at the club as a senior figure in the dressing room that is the way to go you cannot just let him go he's a club legend let him retire at leicester city where can he provide his services uh, i don't think he will play with his heart out at any other club in england other than leicester city but this is the time where they can target players like andre silva because when the entire europe is going after the big names like sergio aguero uh, luis suarez erling haaland mbappe this is the time where you pounce on the second best option uh, if leicester high, uh, get andre silva over the line i think that is a brilliant signing and they might shake up the premier league with uh, with with that team with uh, andidi telemans james madison and uh, andre silva that is as good as any other team in the world so what do you think do you think this is the right time for leicester to take that jump to the next stage you named it tottenham is in transition right now liverpool is in a slump right now right yes. so i feel like united is going to keep improving yes. and city again city is city right so those are two showing for top 4 Yes. Then you got Chelsea who I feel like are on the same level but are overachieving. They are on the same level as Leicester City but they are overachieving because of the brilliance of Tuchel. But Tuchel cannot do everything on his own as we are seeing yeah. right now losing 2-0 to Aston Villa. But then you also got to look out for the likes of Aston Villa and Everton, right? So Premier League is very exciting as of yes. right now, but if not now then when? I feel like Leicester City has to do Absolutely. something. and making a big signing that can really motivate the rest of your players and give them confidence that the owners are not just riding the high wave they are actually looking to invest and they want to take your team to the next level Absolutely. would give the entirety of the team a boost and having the likes of Andre Silva hell I would argue even Rafael Leao let's put him in there right the guy's got a very high ceiling very high ceiling and if Leicester City who's been linked with him somewhat if they're able to pry him away from Milan i feel like that's a very good attacking up front options that they've got and Leao with the high pace intensity of uh, premier league football and uh, he loves to run so i feel like with a marquee signing up front that should give the reassurance for Brendan Rodgers side to challenge from the premier league title once more well that's everything from us here at fdtv podcast Join us again for yet another episode next week or just keep coming back to us we are uploading daily now with another exciting topic so make sure to leave a thumbs up subscribe and let us know if you feel like there's something that we can improve on by leaving a comment down below if you agree or disagree with anything until then fgtv out